Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Kata Nitrai to the show. Kata, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Kata is the global head of sales development at Miro. They are based in France. And Miro is an on-demand solution for marketers who need photography or, or any sort of visual content. We're going to be talking about the similarities and differences between prospecting in the U.S. and in Europe. Kata, before we get into that, I would love to just get to know you a little bit with a couple of questions. Sure. First is a question I always ask, which is, what is your favorite sales book of all time and perhaps something you got out of it? Currently, what I'm reading is The Challenger Customer. Previously, where I worked, Aircall, I used to sell for, for SMB. And uh, here at Miro, we're selling to enterprise. So I think this book actually is a really good piece on uh, how to sell to multiple uh, stakeholders in enterprise sale. The sort of two big takeaways, I think, are, are pretty straightforward to me. I mean, one I had gotten was challenge buyers by showing them that their status quo is not good enough, right? Which is the normal thing. Yeah. And then to your point about building consensus in the organization, it's all about partnering and enabling mobilizers inside the organization to drive consensus. And people will refer to that as your distinction between a coach and a champion. A coach just gives you information. A champion actually is a mobilizer who, who helps you get things done. So yeah, I totally agree on that book. I think a lot of people in the U.S. think of Europe as one country. Can you just talk a little bit to some of the differences that, that exist that you're really, it's, you're not selling to one country, you're really selling to truly different markets with different needs? Europe has a, a great culture. And in general, this cultural difference is pretty important uh, between uh, the countries, just in real life and, uh, and of course, uh, when it comes to selling as well. Second is the language difference. Now that obviously English is um, a global language, uh, especially in business, it's normal that we can communicate, of course, you know, like uh, even, for instance, with German speakers or uh, Scandinavian uh, and French even. Uh, even if you don't speak the language, it's not an absolute necessity, I would say. But on the other hand, uh, it definitely makes a huge difference uh, when it comes to creating a relationship to speak the their language and, uh, and uh, understand their culture. The first thing is um, how used to these markets are to cold outreach when we're sticking to uh, prospection. Because opposed to the US, uh, in Europe, we're not that used to uh, cold outreach. So when it comes to, for instance, cold calling or cold emails. And now also because uh, of the GDPR, so we, we have um, the general uh, data protection rule, uh, which came out a couple of years ago, and uh, it definitely made our lives a bit more difficult um, because people just uh, genuinely uh, more reluctant to really engage with people because they just look at it as a, as a spam. In the face of GDPR, how do you practically go about engaging someone you want to sell to? So for me, um, I, I've been always a bit uh, like a big advocate of cold calling. When we look at the history of prospection, uh, there was a big uh, spike in cold calling, especially in the US uh, in the 90s. And, uh, and after, um, everybody hated cold callers. And, uh, and then the next uh, big thing was emailing. And uh, for instance, now what happens in Europe is that um, boom, GDPR. Uh, so now uh, we're just looking at emailers as uh, spammers. So I think actually it's a great time to go back to cold calling because actually uh, nothing nothing restricts cold callers. So if you call through regular company lines, that's definitely um, aligned with any kind of rules. 
it's a very great time to go back uh, to cold calling, especially that actually less people are doing it and definitely less people are successful in it. So I think it's a great way to, to stand out. Let's talk maybe about tactics into different countries. What are some of the major countries that you sell to in, in Europe? In Europe, pretty much everywhere. I would put these countries in, a, in a different buckets based on, for instance, like how important the, the language is, like how big uh, or how essential is the, the cultural differences. We have Nordics, so Denmark's, uh, Sweden, Finland, and also... Actually, I would uh, put in this bucket, uh, for instance, Benelux as well, so Belgium and Netherlands. These countries, even though, for instance, they're bilingual, all of them, so they're based on uh, Netflix, they don't have actually, uh, they're only using a subtitle uh, from the very, very young age. Uh, so they literally bilingual, all of them perfectly speaking English. It makes it completely possible to sell to them, for instance, in English, because it's really hard to have native speakers from this country. So for instance, like when we're selling right now to Denmark or Finland, we had a couple of BDRs, but it's super, super difficult to actually find the speakers. So it's possible to do the job in, uh, in English, but it still makes a difference because if you really want to uh, build out this bond, it's important that, uh, that you speak the language. However, they don't really have this cold outreach culture they're simply not used to cold calling. So for instance, it's really interesting to look at that, for instance, when we call to to these countries, first of all, uh, the connectivity. So the connection rate is way higher. I would say that to a general 20% uh, that we have in Europe, on contrary, it's uh, it's more like 50%. So like almost half of every call gets picked up. Yeah. It's really easy to engage with them because they're not used to it. So they surprise a little bit. And that's also the same in um, when it comes to actually cold outreach uh, via email. So when I'm looking at um, sales of statistics, I can definitely see a big difference in the opening rate between these countries. So for instance, when it comes to again, Scandinavia, Benelux, uh, I can see uh, sometimes an 80 to 90% opening rate, which I think is really high. I think it's more common in SMB, but enterprise is very high because of course, you know, like uh, sometimes it's just simply harder to, more difficult to get these uh, email addresses. And when it comes to, for instance, like other countries, uh, I would say it's like a general of uh, 50 to 60%. And that's, again, the same reason, because actually not that used to this uh, way of uh, outreach. If you were calling me and I was based in the Nordics, how would you start that call? So let's say you're a CMO of a food delivery services company, like, for instance, Just Eat. So I would definitely call you and uh, I would say, hey, Jeremy, uh, nice to speak to you. Are you the, are you the CMO of uh, Just Eat? Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. How can I help you? Or would they say that? Like, I'll say, Hi, how can I help you? But I don't know if they're going to do that. Yeah, they would say that. <laughs> so for, for that answer, it's still, still the same. Second thing is that um, I always try to ask the BDRs, if it's possible to do, is to, to try to uh, use referral. If they're using referral, it directly turns the cold call into a warm call. So for instance, uh, I would say that, okay, so I'm just reaching out to you because actually I had a, a call, a very, very interesting call uh, with the, one of your colleagues uh, from the sales department, John. And actually he told me that he would be the right person to talk about your visual content adjusted. Is that correct? Yes, yes. One thing I've heard is an effective technique there as well is to ask that CEO who you first talked to, would you like me to keep you informed? And they may say yes or no, but you know, if it's yes, great, you can BCC them and, and keep them in, informed. But even if they say no, they're probably likely to say like, uh, no need to let me know everything, just you know, pull me in when you need me, right? So that's the perfect 
position to be in. So, so we talked a little bit about Northern Europe. W- w- what is another sort of distinct block that maybe behaves differently with respect to language and culture and, and breaking the ice? So what I mentioned with the Scandinavia is that, so again, they're bilingual, but on the other hand, we see that because of the culture and because of the language, it makes a huge difference uh, and it's a huge added value if the person, if the PDR is speaking the, um, the local languages. So when it comes to the second block, it would be more like Southern Europe, so Spain, Italy. I would put in this block actually France as well and Latin America, because actually we're not, we're not just selling to, to Europe but, and the, the US, but also covering uh, LATAM and for instance, Middle East and Asia. Uh, and so with Latin America, what I see, and, uh, and Southern Europe, that uh, the culture is way more important and the language is way more important than for Northern Europe because um, they, they really don't speak the language. So in, uh, in Italy uh, uh, and Spain and, and even in France, it's super important and we could not sell in English. Uh, so it's super important to have uh, native speakers. Um, and, and it goes even to that point that actually, for instance, in Latin America, like most, like the biggest part of a chunk of Latin America, they speak uh, Spanish. And I can hear it from my, um, my uh, team leads that actually, even if you speak Spanish, but you're from Spain and then you're selling to Latin America, or for instance, you're speaking Portuguese, it's going to be a big difference when you actually try to sell in Portuguese uh, to Brazil. So the kind of this vivid and, um, and intense culture that they have, it really comes out when you're selling as well. We talked about Northern Europe, we talked about Southern Europe and Latin America. What, what's another kind of significant country or block of countries that have uh, similar language, culture, cold engagement, and so on approaches? So I would definitely, um, because you know what, what we generally do is that uh, we, um, we do this Southern Europe and Northern Europe blocks. And uh, in Northern Europe, actually, we also including, for instance, UK and Germany. But uh, I would definitely... Um, uh, take them out of this uh, Northern Europe block and uh, just to, to, to create their own block because uh, they're all very different. So you cannot actually compare Scandinavia with uh, Germany and UK. It's just uh, simply impossible. Uh, also because, again, the language differences and, uh, and the cultural differences. So for instance, when it comes to UK, I think if I have to pick a country, um, with, like what is the most similar to the US culture and obviously language as well, <laughs> it would be uh, United Kingdom. Actually, when it comes to cold calling, it's really difficult because they're very, very harsh on the phone. So since they have this cold calling uh, culture, once you call them, you really sometimes come across phrases or sentences like, did you just cold call me? You know, which is the same in the US, right? Uh, but I think in the US, uh, you're more engaging and nicer, if I, if I may say that. <laughs> I agree with this. Did you just call call me as being a sort of uniquely UK thing? And it's it's almost as though they want to they're angry and they want to call you out on on violations of their privacy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and now actually the GDPR was really hitting there big uh, big time. So um, they were always um, alongside um, with the Germans. Uh, they were always like when you receive emails, you know. Uh, because of the GDPR, they're getting back to you that, uh, okay, because of the GDPR, you know, it's a, it's a violation of regulation and so on. Like most of the emails were coming from UK and Germany. So for instance, in Scandinavia, you would never come across with a phrase like that, that did you just call call me? So that, that already shows a lot, you know, right in the beginning. And of course, it's, it's just typically super awkward. And then like most of the reps um, directly die there because they're just saying that, 
Well, no, uh, I it, no, it's it's not a cold call. It just uh, it's uh, I, I'm just interesting, uh, you know. And so they completely losing their swag there because, um, yeah, it's pattern interrupt, but in the wrong way. <laughs> right, 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 and yeah, in the, in the reverse direction. Exactly. Is LinkedIn then not? Do they not react that way to LinkedIn? Or is it just more of a call issue or email issue? Uh, I think it's more more of a call issue. So it's um, it's very very difficult. And what we saw, and actually it was um, at Aircall. So during my tenure at Aircall, for instance, myself, I was selling on the UK market in the very very beginning of my career. And actually, our UK team uh, there it was um, <laughs> including uh, a lot of different uh, nationalities. Um, except English or UK, <laughs> once we started hiring actually uh, systematically uh, people, for instance, from England or uh, Scotland, Ireland, then um, first of all, the, of course, you know, it's super easy to, <laughs> to see directly in the beginning that, you know, you're not from there, so, so you're not native. Uh, so these uh, different kind of accents, it makes it so much uh, simpler and, and also that they have these little inside jokes that they can only understand. And uh, again, then it comes back to the culture, that it's really important. So even if actually we speak the language, because yeah, I can speak English, but on the other hand, it's, um, it really makes it way easier if, uh, if we put a dedicated uh, BDR, for instance, from Scotland or Ireland for the specific regions. Got it. It's interesting. I was just reflecting on these preferences for local language. In the US, I would say if we got a call from a European uh, we'd probably be more open and more fascinated. It's particularly true of the British accent, right? Because Americans have a hard time distinguishing between sort of the aristocratic British accent <laughs> and, you know, uh, working class British accent. We can't really tell the difference, generally speaking. I mean, obviously many people can, but but many can't. And so we associate that British accent more as sort of the accent of aristocracy, so we're more likely to to warm up to people with a British accent. But I think it's also true generally of European accent exactly because of sort of it's not a completely familiar thing. And right, Americans have such warm feelings for Europe in particular, even if it's just vacations alone. <laughs> what happens, I'm, I'm thinking in reverse, if you know someone in, in Hungary or someone in France gets a call from an American, I would assume that that warmth is not there. Well, um, you picked two very <laughs> perfect countries in order to make an example because <laughs> Hungary, first of all, they wouldn't understand you. So it's it's very, very rare. It has to be a big international company. And even there, um, the gatekeepers, they won't speak English. So essentially, um, in Hungary, you have to speak the language. I had one uh, BDR uh, who was dedicated at Miro, who was dedicated for the, um, for the Eastern European market, but uh, she was part uh, Polish, part Irish. Like a lot of people think that like, uh, all these countries, you know, uh, Slavic countries or Eastern, Eastern European countries, uh, they have the same language, but it's really not true. So for instance, Hungarian, um, it has nothing to do with any kind of languages in the neighboring countries. So for instance, Germany, Russia, any kind of Slavic languages like Poland and so on. So, so sometimes actually I try to, uh, to help her and uh, we block some... Uh, Called calling uh, hours uh, in our calendar, and uh, and I called called all the companies that uh, she tried to reach out to, and she didn't manage to because she just literally could not pass through. And for France, it's known that French people they just simply don't like to speak English, so it's um, it's really a thing. And um, I mean, it really depends on the company, and uh, again, it, it depends, you know, how how international it is. So, for instance, in Miro and Aircall, uh, I was very lucky and. Otherwise, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't work uh, because they all uh, speak in perfect English, and actually, it's uh, it's in the company culture that uh, that they they speak English. 
but on the other hand, uh, in uh, in some other companies and uh, and maybe in more traditional companies, there would be a possibility that they don't understand you either. The other place uh, that we haven't really talked much about is is the Middle East. How does the Middle East similar or different from some of the other sets of countries we've talked about so far? Code calling, I think, works pretty well in the Middle East. And um, actually, we didn't have um, the possibility to have uh, Arabic speakers. So we were, we were calling them uh, English. And actually, it worked out pretty fine. So either actually they speak, it depends, of course, on the, on the region and the country, but uh, they speak uh, both English and French sometimes. What we see, for instance, because once we call with AirCall, and uh, obviously like uh, one of the biggest advantages of AirCall that you can really change the, the prefix and uh, the country code that you're calling from. So obviously, if, even if we're in Paris, like if we call into Denmark, we're going to call from Danish number. When it comes to Middle East, actually, um, we're calling with um, like either British number or French number because for them it's um, way fancier and uh, they actually more eager to, to pick up. So um, I would say the thing called calling is, uh, is definitely possible and uh, we have a quite a great success with that. And when it comes to emailing, that's the same. It's different, of, of course, you know, like not so many companies are on LinkedIn, uh, but it's not like, for instance, Germany that, you know, you have a completely different social media or, for instance, Japan, because it's like in Japan, it's, it's really, really limited the amount of companies that uh, you have uh, on LinkedIn. Um, what I would say that uh, for Middle East, um, what if the... Most important thing is that we really have to uh, pay attention to is um, is a time difference. There's a time difference of uh, three or four hours, and um, it's super important that, for instance, our our reps they starting at uh, seven a.m. and there is like a seven seven to uh, to ten where they can actively call. So that's their calling windows. And uh, for instance, on Friday. Um, you cannot really do anything in Middle East. So there's no business in Middle East. So for the Middle East market, what is the most important thing is to really have your schedule that you stick to. And it's really important that you identify in your calling windows and, uh, and you, you're handling your time well, because, uh, because otherwise you, you're just losing so much time that you're not going to be able to be proactive. One last question is uh, around contact information. In the U.S., we're heavily reliant on Zoom info, and uh, you know that that's probably our best source of, particularly phone numbers and email addresses. There are other providers out there, but they've become quite dominant. What are the great data sources in Europe for phone numbers and emails? Our New York and uh, LA offices they they using Zoom info and Discover Org, basically. However, so we tried Zoom for several times and actually now that since we're using it in the US, um, we try it again. Um, but we definitely have difficulties when it comes to European countries and um, specific Euro- European countries, so for instance, Scandinavia, uh, Germany. When it comes to UK, actually it's pretty solid. So it's actually very successful, but there are some specific countries that it's, um, it's really lacking. Um, not, just, not, not just contact information, but, but just actually companies that are. What we're using is um, Lucia. So we're using Lucia for phone numbers. And so far, I have to say that I did not, um, we did not manage to find a tool uh, which was better than that uh, for Europe, at least. And yeah, we're using different tools for, for emails. And I have to say that actually um, we're evaluating currently several tools because um, we were not really satisfied with the open rate. So we're evaluating a lot of tools right now because um, we get to the point at some point that the bounce rate was too high, way too high in some uh, specific countries. So sometimes it went up to 50%, which is obviously terrible, uh, especially when it comes to personalization. So now we, we are in the midst of uh, evaluating um, the email emailing tools. Right. You also 
risk having your email, all your emails blacklisted if you have 50% bounce rates. Well, Kata, wow, I, I learned so much I, that I've always wondered about prospecting into different countries in Europe. I mean, I think one of my biggest takeaways is is really even in those places where their English is is quite strong, they still strongly prefer to buy from people who are, are truly native speakers. And I, I love that subtlety even about like Portuguese uh, people selling into Brazil. That even that is quite different. So uh, I think incredibly useful and, and you know all of our discussion about approaches through LinkedIn and, and so on. If people do want to learn more about Miro or, or get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? <laughs> Code call me. <laughs> if, they, if they cold call me and uh, it's a good cold call then, um, then I'm more than happy to speak <laughs> Hey Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media I'm your host Jeremy Donovan Paige McCauley is our producer Peter Lepinto is our editor The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts Spotify and wherever else podcasts are found Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.